Hey, what's going on? My name's Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his. And you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you replace harmful patterns with new possibilities. In each episode, we'll explore topics that inspire confidence, direction, and resilience. In this episode, we're going to do an interview. I actually talked to another person. Hooray, because the pandemic is here. No one has anywhere to go, so I get to talk to a lot of people. But really, I just happened to run into this person, Casey Bass, and we had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun and interesting about being single and how to maximize our singleness for those of you who are single out there and for those of you who are wishing you're single and might want to take that step. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Now, I want to introduce you to my next guest, my very special guest, Casey Bass. And of course, I don't like to tell anybody else's story, so I'm going to let her tell you who she is and what she does. Casey, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you again, Lee, for having me. Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you do? Absolutely. I am a heal-versationalist. I help people overcome their emotional blockages with healing conversation. I also specialize in helping singles to really begin to embrace their singleness and really begin to push through uh, anything that would stop them as a single person and to maximize every area of their singleness by the method I created entitled Singleology. All right. Yeah, that sounds really awesome because I'm a single person, so I'm really interested in hearing what you've got to say. I've been single for a while, and many people are single too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. There's a larger audience out there for that. So listen up, singles. Listen up. So I wonder, how did you get started in this? Was there like a pattern of behavior that that you noticed that led you to this? Absolutely. I think my the biggest pattern that I had that led me on this singleness and healing journey is codependency. Hmm. And that codependency started with me in childhood, in childhood. I grew up in a family without my father and it just, that abandonment just kind of started a snowball of codependency for my life in every relationship it it would show up. So can you tell us what, what is codependency? Codependency is when, in my own words, it is when you are dependent upon someone else's energy to keep you energized. Mm -hmm. So literally you're pulling on someone else for love. You're pulling on someone else for peace. You're pulling on someone else for joy because you haven't quite realized that you already have those things in your awareness. They're already with you. You don't need to get them from anyone else. Right, right. Absolutely. 
So then you said that this happened when you were young and it was just a pattern that, that kept happening. When did you like see it show up? Now looking back, how, is there a story that you could tell where you've seen it? Yeah, I think that the the first time I really became more aware of it was after my divorce. I married very early at 20 just to get out of a dysfunctional home. Mm-hmm. I was divorced by 24. I was extremely codependent. And after that divorce, I went into a depression. After uh, I went to my therapist for the very first time, because back then I'm 46 now, that was in my 20s. Back Mm -hmm. then, you know, therapy was like taboo. You couldn't talk about it. Yep. Got to give it to God. Right, right, Mm right. Just, you know, I grew up in a very religious household. Just pray about it. Keep it moving. Suppress it. It just was not talked about. Mm-hmm. And my therapist was the very first person I ever heard use the word codependent, because at that point, I didn't think I could go on. I, I felt like I needed a male because my dad, I did not grow up with my father. So I grew up n- not having that influence. And the one mm-hmm. influence that I had was abusive. So I was looking for another male to complete me. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I had become became aware of my codependence. Gotcha. Yeah. So that definitely sounds like a pattern that would stick with you for a while. It was like with you for for all of your life until then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the struggle to break that pattern had to be pretty big. Had to be pretty oh, big because oh of God, course it yes. showed up everywhere. Because mm-hmm. it showed up everywhere in your your relationships with your family, mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. coworkers, Absolutely. all every, those things. Every connection. Every connection. So then how did that show up in the connection with your friends? In the connection with my friends, because of that deeply embedded abandonment issue, I didn't like for people to leave me. I would do whatever I had to do to keep people in my life, even if it meant erasure, even if it meant not using my voice, even if it meant I'm just going to please them just so Mm -hmm. they'll stay, but I'm not even going to mention what I need. Um, It always led to burnout in friendship. It always led to blow ups because I was holding everything in. I was not communicating. So I had Mm -hmm. learned that as, as a child growing up, you know, your voice is not needed. You are to be seen, not to be heard. So, so all of Mm -hmm. that, led to even more codependence. I kept pulling on people and just doing what they wanted me to do just to stay connected to the to the relationship. So none of my relationships or friendships were healthy ones. They were all trauma bonds. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. I mean, that sounds very familiar to me because I was always like, just, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep them around. And that's just what we do. I'm only as good as what I can do for someone and whatever I do for them, that'll keep them around. And I I didn't realize I was doing the same thing, but you mentioned, so I'm sure there are other people out there who understand exactly what you're talking about, probably maybe even hearing this for the first time. And you also mentioned something, uh, trauma bonding. Can you share about what is that? Um, trauma bonding when you is when you connect with someone at the level of pain. So let's just say, for instance, I'll use for instance, I would meet people that grew up in homes without a father. 
Mm -hmm. I would think, oh, I met someone and we got camaraderie. We have the same experience, but we had the same codependency. Mm -hmm. So we connected at the area of pain, not at a healthy place, but at the area of pain. So because we both were codependent, there's always this power struggle. I got to get love and 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 support from you. You got to pull it from me. So we're pulling constantly at each other. And then the power struggle happens. Well, when mm -hmm. the power struggle happens, there's going to be a winner and a loser. And usually that is when the relationship or the connection would end. It is because we connect at a place of pain where we have camaraderie. And those trauma bonds can feel a lot like divine connections or, mm -hmm. you know, this is just the best friendship. It starts off in a honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. until the codependency or the abandonment or the rejection rears its head. And then we begin to play out these control dramas. Wow. That's really interesting. You know, when you were saying that about pulling against each other, I was thinking about, you know, how uh, President Trump grabs people's hands and pulls them back and like, just like a struggle right there. Right. It's a connection, but it's awkward for both of us. Right. <laughs> yeah, of we course. think we're supposed to do. Yeah, it's forced. Mm -hmm. We think we're supposed to do this. We think we're supposed to be here. And it's just, it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. And it shows up everywhere, you said. Yes, it does. Mm. So that's something to people for people to definitely look out for. So then if people aren't connecting on these trauma bonds, if they're not connecting with trauma bonds, then what is the, the healthy thing to connect on? The healthiest way to connect is from a space of I'm already complete when I show up in your life. There is nothing you need to give me to make me complete. You are already complete when you show up in my life. I don't need to give you anything for that completion. When two people show up that are already complete, nobody is trying to pull brick and mortar from the other to make their building sealed. Mm -hmm. So it is like we, we are both showing up in each other's lives, already doing, working in our purpose, already doing the things we love doing. And what we move from, we move from the codependence to interdependence, where we are bringing asset to one another's life, but we're okay if that person is not there because we've already fulfilled everything. We checked off all of our boxes in our singleness. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. where the singleology piece comes in at, where you understand you have everything that you need you don't need to get it externally. So when, when someone shows up in a healthy way, you're not codependent, you're interdependent. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not leaning on each other for every ounce of strength. You know how to recharge yourself. You know how to energize yourself. You know how to rejuvenate. You don't have to have that person to do that. So you move right. that, you you move away from that clingy needy. Right, right. So it's not that you're going to stop using your voice when they're around. You're going to express what you feel and what you need. Right. Absolutely. Well, what if the relationship falls apart if I do that? What am I going to do? 
Well, you move on. No. <laughs> you, this is it's scary. This is, this is where you have to deal with. With me, I had to deal with that abandonment because mm -hmm. I was taught that you just do what everyone wants you to do. You please them and they'll stay. Yeah. But after a while, you'll figure out no matter what you do is going to they're still not going to be pleased because they're trying to get from you what they couldn't get from another person. So there's always a deep hole that you'll never be able to fulfill. So, well, uh, well, I just have to say, I'm going to, well, what if that's just for that one person? I mean, I, we just couldn't work, but the next person will. The next, you're, you're saying the next person will do it or won't do it. They will. I, they'll, they'll work for me. I'll be able to fill that hole for them. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, will you? Because <laughs> you think about it. If the hole is some sort of emotional uh, depth, you're mm -hmm. never going to be able to feel it. It's, it's certain parts of us that only the divine can feel. And then mm -hmm. there are parts of us that we are filled with uh, in regards to connection. The connection feels it. But if you're trying to fill a space that maybe is only designed for the divine to feel and give you that fulfillment, that also is going to push you into a constant, I'm working for love. I'm mm -hmm. working for support. I'm working for attention. Well, already that's not unconditional love. That's conditional love, which is very unhealthy. Yeah. And no doubt that it is unhealthy for you to work so hard for that because you're saying that people should just show up. Like, here you are, here I am. Let's just be together. Let's enjoy each other's company. I don't have to work anymore for you. You don't have to work anymore for me. But we do support each other, right? right. So what, is that, what does that healthy support look like? Healthy support looks like acceptance. When a person shows up in my life at this point, I look at them as an individual that contributes in whatever area they contribute and however they are, I'm not there to fix them. And I think when we drop the fixer dynamic, when someone shows up in our life, it makes the uh, relationship and the connection a lot lighter. So it looks like acceptance, you know, and, and I tell people this a lot of times, acceptance is not condoning. Someone may show up in your life and they may be doing something you don't like that they do. You should be able from a mature space to say, you know what? I really don't like that you do that, but I'm not here to change you. When the change comes, it has to be because that person is willing to change. Right. And so if I was, if I was still in this codependence phase, I would think that, well, I just need to help them get to that point where they think they want to change, but that's not right. No, because what you're doing is you're forcing what you feel is right for you onto them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where you have a lot of fixers because a lot of people, and, and it's, it's funny because I look at myself now and how I was 10 or 15 years ago, even, you know, with my mentoring, I, I wasn't in the same space. I used to feel like it was my job, my duty to fix people, to help people heal. And, you know, let me just help. Let me get them from this space to another. But that really was never my job. It was never my job 
to heal another person or to fix another person. My job was to show up healed and to give an example to them of what healing looks like, that it piques their interest so that they want to experience what I am experiencing. That's when they start probing. That's when they start asking, how do you do that? How, how are you happy in, in, in these situations? How are you able to overcome this? Why is your demeanor the same all the time? It, it prompts people to start asking questions and wanting to know how they can do it. But if you're trying to force the fix, there's going to be automatic rebellion. It's like a child. When you try to force a child to take the red lollipop and they like the blue lollipops, they're going to kick and scream. Yeah, definitely. Try to get me to go to bed. I'm not. Right. I want to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> All night long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we see these uh, YouTube videos all the time of the kids. No, no, no. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I really like that you said those things. And I'm curious now about this because I, I want to make sure that we talk about the fact that you do heal people and the approach to it is, is the, it's not codependency, obviously, because you're speaking right. about how it's not. And I want to clarify for everyone, what would make it codependent if you were that person who wanted to heal people? If you feel great, you want to share that with people, what would that be? What, what would codependence look like if you were doing it in the codependent way? Um, codependence would look like, let's just say you were one of my clients and I'm suggesting to you these different things that, that would be beneficial for your healing. Mm -hmm. Well, you would begin to reject what I say. Yeah. No, if I don't I, do it. If, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. I'm just using an example. If you begin to reject what I say, then what happens is if I'm still in a codependent space, I'm needing you to accept everything that I say, mm. or I'm feeling less of uh, the person with the ability to heal. If you don't accept it, I'm depending on your acceptance to validate my gifts. Gotcha. That's what it would look like if I showed up in a codependent space. All right. So the healthy version is the healthy version is, Let's just say I make a suggestion and you don't receive the suggestion. I'm still okay with my gifts and my abilities and I leave it open. I say, okay, if you, if you want to try this, you can. If you don't, that's fine. Whenever you need, however you need me to support you, I'm going to be here. I don't cut the person off because it could be that they just need some time to, to think about it. And it may take months and that person never show up or I never hear from them again, or I may never hear from them again at all until they have moved past the healing space. I look at healing as I'm dropping a seed every time I talk to someone. I may not be that person for them. I just mm -hmm. may be the person that drops the seed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what showing up in a healthy way is. It allows the divine to, to let it take its course, even if you're not included. Right. I like that a whole lot. Yeah. So everything you're saying is definitely about you and how you feel about yourself. And yes. you, you're making these clear demarcations between yourself and the other person's feelings. Your feelings and those feelings, they don't mix up. Right. They don't mix up. Right. And your feelings are your own and they they have their own feelings and they're their own. They, in no way 
reflect the abilities and the self-worth that you feel. Absolutely. 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 Yes, that's the way it works. So if you're out there and you have a fix-it mind, think about that. Like, how do you feel if someone rejects what you say? Are you going to fall apart? What happens then? So I'm curious, maybe you can um, uh, help some people uh, share something that might help them if they if they notice that they're feeling like rejected and they feel really, really hurt. Is there something they can do to kind of help themselves get through it? Absolutely. Because there are so many people that are really becoming more aware of their ability to help other people, whether it be emotionally, mentally, psychologically, whatever area, there's always going to be that tendency for you to take on too much of the burden burden of another person's healing. So the goal is to always stay centered in what your purpose truly is. It is not to take the burden of another person's healing. It is to show up and give suggestion in regards to that person's healing. You look at it differently. You're mm. not uh, carrying their load because the fixer carries the load for the person while the person walks without the load. Mm -hmm. The fixer has the whole load in their hand. And then when the person is, is kind of gallivanting and doing their own thing, because the, what the fixer does is makes the other person like because they're not carrying the load. The fixer is. Yeah. So the person continues pretty much in the same way that they were operating until the fixer gets so burdened down with that load that they explode. And typically what the person does that is supposed to be being fixed is they will apologize. Or, or, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to lay this on you. They will mm -hmm. take the load and find another fixer. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it doesn't work for you, but someone right. else will I'm going to find another person because there will be always another person Mm -hmm. That will and that's typically what they're doing. They're using other people to carry their loads because what they're really saying is, I really don't have the strength to carry this load, but for so long. So let me connect with somebody that I know will carry it at least for a little while. Mm -hmm. Let me get my strength back up. Let me run around a little bit, and then I know they're going to get tired. I'll take the load back and carry it a little while, and then I'll go find someone else. It's a strategy. Yeah, it's like it. It feels really, <laughs> it feels really devious. Yeah, it's like it, it's yeah. a strategy. <laughs> it's like asking me to go shopping with you, and I got no bags, and then you just keep going to fifth, fifth and Saks or wherever you go to get right. get stuff. Walmart. Let's just say that that's a little more my level. Walmart, uh -huh. Target, uh -huh. going there doing a shopping spree and just coming out giving me all the bags. Like, oh, right. but you you did all this. Why am right. I carrying it? What's going on? And you're not. Right. And I'm as a person who was a fixer. You you know how it feels, and and mm -hmm. it's like, well, what is? I carried all this stuff for you, and you don't even care about that. Look right. how heavy it is for me. Right. And exactly. One pattern that was stuck in was stuck in is something like that. It was like, all right, you apologize, mm -hmm. and then oh well, you really do care. I'm gonna pick these back up. And I'm gonna carry on with you for a little more until mm -hmm. I just can't. Until I figure out you don't care. Ah. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the explosions that you were talking about, and right. things like that, ended ended friendships and um, relationships and all yes. kinds of stuff. Yes. Yeah. 
that's really devastating. So it's something to really look out for. You have to be able to recognize those red flags. That's something I tell my my clients and even singles when I'm mentoring. Are you ignoring the red flags? Because typically the pattern has been going on for a long time. It didn't just start. You just were ignoring. The red flags were there. You were ignoring them. And typically we ignore them because there's something in us that doesn't want to disconnect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There is a codependency. There is a dependence on that, even though they're not really showing up 100 percent. Well, they're showing up 20 percent and that's better than not having anybody. That's kind of how we look at it. Yeah. And it's something that we're probably used to as well. It's something that, well, we've seen it. Like you said, you mentioned it in your childhood. Look, it's kind of like that. And it it continues into my relationship. So we were talking about red flags right Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Red flags. So some of the red flags in the relationships, you said singles aren't looking out for them. So Mm -hmm. this is what happens with codependency. So you're right there. Mm -hmm. You're like the, you're like you, I'm looking at you as the kind of person who's like giving this wisdom. So we've got Mm -hmm. these singles out here who are getting ready to couple up because the spring is coming. The spring is coming, people out there trying to grab something real quick. And yeah, so what can you, what can you share with us? Um, Is there anything that you can tell singles? Absolutely. There's always a coupling up when it gets warmer (laughs) because people are traveling more, even, you know, with the pandemic, there are a lot of the places that are opening up now and more people Mm -hmm. to move around more, travel more. And all that good stuff. And so there is this innate uh, increase probably in dating site subscriptions because it's getting yep. I know I'm be outside. I'm going outside. <laughs> right. So what I oftentimes tell singles is it's cool to get out and meet people, but mm-hmm. don't meet people with the notion that I'm going to meet my soulmate. I'm going to meet if when you go in with this ulterior motive of I'm getting ready to boost somebody up, I'm getting ready to use you, you go in and already you're in your, your blind spots are there because your goal is just to be coupled. It is not to be healthy and coupled. Mm-hmm. So, standards. Right. The, so the first thing that comes along, the first train that leaves the depot that looks in your direction or blows the horn in your direction, you're riding that train, (laughs) you know, and you're not looking at the fact that some of the, some of the cars, you know, are dilapidated. You're not looking at the train. You're just listening for the horn. You're not Mm -hmm. looking at the condition of the train that down the track, you know, the third car is so dilapidated. It throws the whole train off center, but you weren't paying attention to that. Because the the first car was blowing the horn and it looked pretty cool. You didn't go down the last 15 cars to see what was there. That's Mm -hmm. the learning process. And I think the the biggest mistake that singles made, and I made this mistake for years, even when I was connecting with people, is that we skip the friendship process. We skip over learning one another. We skip over really trying to understand that person from a friend space. And lastly, 
there's two, you get physical and sexual way too early and it throws everything off center. And I think if singles would just slow down and not rush and learn and, and really start pulling from that individual, getting to know that person, that's what it's, it's inspecting the other 15 cars mm -hmm. and then you decide, okay, do I want to go further with this individual? Do I want to learn more about them? Or let me just keep them in the friend zone. Right now, they're really not what I want. Another thing that singles do is that they don't really know themselves. So they meet other people to help them to learn who they are when you should know yourself before you even try to move into a relationship space. Mm -hmm. So when people get into relationships and they're like, they make me better, they, they can that can be a little bit of a codependency thing because there's a difference between being supported and being changed into something that right. if you wanted to change into, you would just do it. Right. And you wouldn't need another person to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cheerleader, a motivator, but nobody to tell you how you need to be. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so as, as we mature, we should know. I mean, we should be able to look in the mirror and say, hey, I need to change this about me. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't take another person coming into your life saying, hey, you need to change that about you when you already know that you need you see the stain on your shirt. Nobody should have to say, oh, Lee, you got a stain on your shirt. Well, you're looking right in the mirror. You're walking past three mirrors. Before you even walk out the door, big old stain. <laughs> oh man, you're such a great friend. Thank you for pointing that out. Well, you saw it. You just was like, okay, you know, yeah. need your shirt. <laughs> yeah, and I, I definitely, I like that analogy because I think people will see that stain and they'll be like, yes, yeah, there and. Because they're just comfortable with it. I don't right. need you to fix it. I'm good That's with it. Right. I'm yeah. Good with it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. And so, wow, that could be devastating for you if you're a codependent too. You're like, the stain is killing right. me. Just <laughs> let it go. Just let it go and go in the opposite direction. If right. that's what your that's what your jam is. That's right. <laughs> I really like what you're saying about these singles and and being yeah. like um, healthily coupled, healthily connected. Yeah. Yeah. So. I understand that I I saw that you have something called singleology. Singleology. That's a, a mouthful for me to say. But maybe yeah. you could tell us a little bit about what it is and and how'd you come up with it? Singleology is a method I came up with to assist me when I am mentoring or when I am teaching singles. And it is five different elements of the singleology. I talk about vision. I talk about consistency. I talk about unforgiveness. I talk about healing. You know, I talk about the things that are necessary to get that single in a whole space. When I came up with the word singleology, uh, when I was in school, and I still am in school, but I would think I was thinking one day that, you know, in one of my psychology class, I kept while I was doing some work online, I kept looking at the last part of the word psychology, ology, the study of. And then my mind just went to singles. So I was like, you know what? I think we're going to start a single ology method 
where singles study. They literally have to study to really maximize their singleness because it's not something that we are taught. We're not taught how to be healthy singles. Right. We're just not. <laughs> we learn along the way through the bumps and bruises. We're not taught how to be healthy singles. So that's why I came up with singleology. Still waiting for Webster's to stick it in their dictionary. Maybe one day they will. <laughs> yeah, with much, much more use. Everybody start using that word. I'll start trying to learn how to say it. Singleology. Right. <laughs> much more use of the word. You right. know, I I um I had a question that was on the top of my top of my mind, but then I just kind of left it with with that. But I'm sure it'll come back to me about mm -hmm. singleology. Yeah. Uh, oh, now I remember what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. So the question about singles. Now we've, yes. we've always been like you said you got married early, and yes. I think we've always been shown how to just get married or how to be with someone else and what it means to be with someone else. So yes. when I when I enter singleology and I'm maximizing my singleness, mm -hmm. what does that mean for me? What, what will I be doing to maximize my singleness? You'll be doing everything that is necessary for you to stand on your own. That is emotionally, financially. Mm -hmm. A lot of singles get in relationships for money. It's a business agreement. You mm -hmm. know, oh, I'm kind of behind on my bills. Let me get booed up and move somebody in, you know. Yeah. Back up with Paula too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in every area. That's in finance. That's emotionally. That providing, being self-sufficient, providing for yourself, um, tapping into your ambitions without having to have someone to prod you toward the ambitions. Learning how to start your own fire. I like Alaska shows. I love Alaska shows because. There's always somebody trying to live out in the bush and literally they're out there on their own. There's nobody to call. They got to figure it out. And literally that's what singleology is. You figuring it out on your own before you even interject another person into the mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That seems like a very, um, a, a survival technique that will benefit you in the long run. Because if you are alone, Mm -hmm. If you're like, I'm going to just, the first thing that came to my head was Home Alone 2 for some reason. Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, you're, right. you're home and you just have to figure it out. Everybody's gone and mm -hmm. you don't really have the skills, but you do if you need right. to, you need to put right. it together. So that's really important to be able to have the skills to, to know, to challenge yourself mm -hmm. to figure it out. Like, yeah. so that is that what you do? You kind of help people. Challenge. I help them to challenge themselves because usually we're looking for someone else to challenge us, but you can challenge you. Mm -hmm. Every day when I wake up, I'm challenging myself. I haven't always done that. I would stay in the, in, in the sinkholes of my ambitions and then I'll be like, well, there's nobody to support me, nobody to push me. I guess mm -hmm. I just, I'll just have to stay here in this spot. But then when I really begin to awaken, like, wait a minute, Kelly, wait a minute, y you can do this. And what will happen is as you awaken to who you are, then the divine begins to bring you the support that you need. But you have to awaken to what you already have first. Yeah, I like that. And the vine begins to bring you what you need because 
when you see yourself in the mirror and you see how awesome you're doing, you see the things that you're capable of, and you look back like, I didn't need you for that. So, and then you see another person come along that looks just like that person you left. And you're like, Mm -hmm. well, I don't need you for that either. So I'm going to just keep on going. And you just figure out, oh, that's part of this pattern that you just broke. You're done with right. it. So you right. give the skills to do that. You, well, you don't give mm-hmm. the skills. You help people recognize that they have those skills. Mm-hmm. I, I point it out to them. And, mm-hmm. and I let them know you've always had it. It's just that we are simultaneously, even as children, if we look at how women are raised and how men are raised, we are not raised to be self-sufficient and on our own. We're no. raised to get to a point to couple up and then start doing things. We're not raised to, you know, start that process early. We're raised to be dependent. We're not raised to be self-sufficient. So we literally have to break even those family patterns, cultural patterns. There's a lot of patterns we have to break that's just the tip of the iceberg with codependency. Absolutely. So then when you became more healthy and mm-hmm. I know that you've seen relationships change and, and move and, and flex. So have you been able or willing to, or interested in holding on to those relationships or those connections that you've had before with people who haven't quite figured out what you have figured out? What I typically do is I have people in categories if it's coming down to my inner circle, I have to have someone in my inner circle that is it that is in an evolved space as I am. Mm-hmm. So there are many people I've connected to that that talk the same way I do, that have the same mindset that I have. That's an inner circle, okay? But for somebody that's not quite there yet, so that I am governing my energy properly, They might not be in my inner circle. They may be in my outer circle. They may be in an associate category. They're not going to be someone that I will be around all the time because they're still in that let me grab energy from Kelly's space. Mm -hmm. And I would always leave them drained. I didn't at first know how to do that. I was trying to just keep everybody in my life and try to help everybody to evolve. After I broke that fixer thing, I was like, okay, I need to kind of put people in categories here so that I am making sure that my energy stays up and I'm around people that speak the same language as me in my inner circle. So Mm -hmm. you can stay connected to people. You just have to decide what, how much of the connection you're going to be present for. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds about like what I've done with people is to, I have people that are close to me that I'm able to share things with that mm-hmm. I can lean on that I know won't judge me when I share something or if they say something about it is going to be productive and it's going to be yeah. helpful to me. They're not going to try and tear me down or take anything from me. Yeah. And that is just a way to feel so fulfilled because mm-hmm. as a fixer, you can still um, feel like you want to help somebody, but you can't pour from an empty cup. You, you can't. can't do that. You can't you do can't. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a that's nice balance. Comes in at. Burnout comes in when mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to pour out of obligation. I'm obligated to do this is what my job is, but you're empty. You're dry as a bone. Yeah. You know, and you're only hurting yourself and you're not being effective. 
Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that you can really do if you can't take care of yourself. And we see that, we say that all the time, like health is Mm -hmm. supposed to be the number one thing, but we don't think about the emotional health that we have. So that's why you have these heal versations. Now, how did you come up with heal versation? Um, I just took the C-O-N off conversation <laughs> yeah. and feel there because literally all I'm doing the same way that I'm doing with you right now, it is very laid back. I'm just talking and I'm listening and my client and I, we dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. so through in conversation and I'm actually not telling them what to do. I'm talking and and what I'm doing is I'm asking the right questions and they're mm-hmm. actually figuring out what they need to do just in the healing conversation. So healversation is healing conversation mm-hmm. where you know, typically if they say, well, well, Casey, what should I do? I would say, well, what do you think you should do? Right. It prompts them to go inward. Yes, I'd like that idea. I like the the example that you just gave too. It goes back to going shopping or carrying all the person's load. Like, well, make this decision for me, please. And like, yes. no, no, thanks. You you can do it. You know how. You just right. haven't been challenged. That's right. That's, That's it. Yeah, That's and it. I make and, people think about the answer. Yeah, it, it definitely mm-hmm. sounds like a heal conversation is all about how you were connecting with this person and you're not trying to one up them or anything in regular conversation or anything like that. It's just about, it's just about them. Exactly. It is. And there's no competition. There is no struggle. There is no battle. Um, I am able to really connect. And, and I think my intuitive gifts help me as well because I am kind of feeling what is behind the words and I may know the answer when I ask the question, but I'm waiting to see what they're going to say. And then I'm waiting for the divine to guide me in what should I say next? How should I go? Which turn should I make? Um, my spiritual life has a lot to do with my business life because I can't operate conversations without my intuitive gifts. So Absolutely. part of they built up is making sure that I have stillness, making sure that I meditate, making sure that I journal, and making sure that I stay in nature, making sure that I take time in solitude, that you know I pull in. All of that helps when I get ready to do a client. Um, I don't overpack my schedule, person after person after person. I need to have time in between to decompress, to mm-hmm. rejuvenate to recharge so that I can show up 100% for the next client. Wow, that is absolutely wonderful. That's great that you take so much care in yourself because it know, I know that if I'm your client, I'm gonna get the maximum amount out of you and therefore I'm gonna get the maximum amount out of me. I can right. expect that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely. love that. Yes. You have I to take t- care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Taking care of other people it's never going to be productive or effective until you take care of yourself. You have to take care of, you have to be the first partaker of your gifts, not other people. So contrary to what we've been taught, well, your gifts are for everyone else. That may be true, but I first have to serve myself a meal that I may be strengthened so that I can cook a meal and serve it to another. 
Mm-hmm. Can you say that just one more time? Because I love that. Yeah. I, I have to serve myself the meal mm-hmm. so that I have strength enough to cook the meal and serve it to another. There you go. There you go. I love food. So when you said that, I'm on top of it. I love it. Are you a foodie? <laughs> I, I definitely experience life through food. Ooh, through right, food. right. And it's a shame, though, that I don't really cook for myself much. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I, I don't know if I want to share this, but if there were people that came yeah. over, I would do I would cook. I would do something. I would look at a recipe and I'd make it all neat and stuff. But yeah. for myself, I would just be like, oh, it's just food. So I'm going to throw something yeah. here. Every once in a while, I catch myself thinking like, you can get yourself a steak and you can make yourself a salad. Right. Just take some time to do it. Every once mm-hmm. in a while, I'll catch myself doing that. But for the most part, I'm like, I'm going to throw stuff together and I'm just going to eat because it's, it's, a, it's a meal. But the point is, is that... Um, I eat anyway. I make sure to strengthen myself. So I'm just going to go back right. to the analogy. I make sure to strengthen right. myself so that right. I can do for others as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. So um, how long have you been doing these heel-versations? Um, I've been doing the heel-versations for about 15 years. Hmm. Um, I just started this year making it a business, but I've been doing it for about 15 years. 15 years. That's absolutely amazing. And I'm sure you've helped so many people with that. Oh my God. It has been. And I think that's, that's why the divine is constantly pressing me on my own healing journey. Mm -hmm. It's because I know that I am here on the earth to help others, but the divine is always reminding me that I still must help myself. Healing is really not healing until the healing you give to everyone else you experience. Mm-hmm. It's not really, I mean, it, it, you really think about it. It's like, if I'm going to give someone a gift, I'm going to give them a gift that I would give to myself. I'm not just going to give them something raggedy. Right. So if I'm giving them the best gift I can in healing, I have to experience that myself. And it helps me to be transparent when I'm talking to my clients. It's not like, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. You know, I will interject when it, when I was having a hard time recognizing the red flags, this is what was going on in me. I am able to be transparent and vulnerable enough to say, I've gone through this process that you're going through, you know, right. It makes me touchable. Right. Because good leaders and people that you connect with, we can see ourselves in each other and we're not being told, hey, we need to do something. You need to do something or this will work for you, even though I don't know if it'll work for anybody because I haven't experienced it. I've been told that. Well, I will go to the source then. If you somebody told you that, I'm going to go find out what they learned and I'm going to stop talking to you because you're not. You're not authentic. You're not, um, you're not experienced with this. But right. you, on the other hand, you come open. You've experienced mm-hmm. everything. And you're willing yeah. to share to take some of that shame out of it, too. It can yeah. be hard. But you made it. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. When you, you said the right word, it takes the shame out. Because mm-hmm. when people show up and they're, want, they're wanting to talk about really intimate things, 
in regards to their hearts, in regards to their emotions, regards to their trauma, those are intimate things. There is mm-hmm. shame attached to it. You know, they're they're coming to you because they can't come to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so the way you remove it is by leveling the playing field. Because mm-hmm. even if you didn't deal directly with what they dealt with, you dealt with something that was kind of similar that brought up those same feelings. That's where you meet them at. You meet them on the same level playing field. Right. Exactly. I believe that we connect with emotions. We all experience the same emotions. And if you can tap into what you've experienced and the feelings that you've had, chances are they've had them. They can see that you've overcome it. And I also believe that uh, you can feel it like in this conversation that you have. You're like, yeah, I know where you were. And you can definitely just Mm -hmm. feel that this is authentic. This is real. Yes. And, That's and energizing. You you show up as a real person that has gone through a real issue, and that inspires them. It inspires them and lets them know, okay, you know what? I've talked to a real person that has gone through this real issue. They've overcome it. There's hope for me. Mm-hmm. They automatically recognize there's hope for me if I have been touched by a real person that has gone through it. That's just lovely. I mean, that's so wonderful. I'm I'm sure I could ask you questions and listen to you and pick up these analogies all day and new vocabulary words and all that. But <laughs> but I know that we have other things to do in life, unfortunately. But I'd hope to have you again to talk to you again about this because it's been a really great conversation. And I'm sure there's a lot more that you could share with others. So before we get out of here, I want to ask you, where can people find you? What do you have going on? Okay. So I have my IG page. I have a website. The website is remnantactivate.com. And uh, my IG page is K Carissa Bass. Now, if you look me up on my IG and you hit the link tree link in my bio, It will link you right to my website. It also links you right to my YouTube page, which is Hilversations with Casey Bass. I also have a link there for my podcast. So it's kind of like Walmart, one-stop shopping when you hit the link tree link. There you go. That's where they can find me. All right. So, you know, I didn't ask you about your podcast or anything. So what is your podcast like? My podcast talks about healing subjects. I think the latest one that I did was a couple of days ago, Fear is a Messenger. I talk all things healing on my podcast. I am wrapping up a singleness and healing, my singleness and healing segments. Um, with the last one was Fear is a Messenger. I'm about to now going into my interview segment. So those healing segments really tackle those things that we're dealing with. I am a mental health advocate. So I am all things healing, all things emotional intelligence, you know, all things mental health matters. So any subject that the divine pops into my spirit, that's what I talk about. And I'm really excited about um, having guests on so that we can really explore and unearth um, more things regarding healing. Whether it be insecurity, mm-hmm. abandonment, codependency, rejection, 
breakups, you know, divorce. There's a lot. There is a lot. discrimination, race issues. There's just so much. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to the human experience. So much. And you're all things healing, you said. So we need healing in all of those spaces. Right. So the final question that I have for you is what would you tell our audience here? What would you give them to maybe help them uh, go through a hard time or just uh, share some a little bit of advice for them or insight for them, rather? I would tell them to um, give themselves grace. When we are going through hard times, we tend to be the hardest on ourselves. And we tend to think we should be over this by now. I shouldn't, you know, I'm I'm this age. I should not have to deal with this by this age. I'm old enough. I'm an adult. Give yourself grace because there is an emotional process going on in all of us. All of us are going on our own. We're on our own healing journeys. And we give ourselves grace. What that grace does is it divinely gives us the support. The support will show up in our lives and we won't know where it came from. When we understand, okay, it's okay for me to be in this space. It's just not okay for me to stay in this space. So I'm going to give compassion to myself and I'm going to set intention for myself to receive the support that I need and the support will come. You won't know, you won't have to look for it. It will show up in your life divinely and you will find yourself opening those doors and overcoming those obstacles. Well, Casey Bass, give yourself some grace. It's okay to be in this spot, but it's a journey so you can get up and go on. People will help you. I love that. I love that. And with that, we're going to end here. And I want you to make sure you check out her podcast or actually just go to Linktree. You're going to find everything there. And you'll also find it in the show notes for sure. So thank you so much again for coming. I really appreciate the conversation. I learned a lot from you today. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. It has been an energizing conversation. For sure. Hey, big round of applause for Casey. A lot of fun with the conversation. We laughed a lot and we also coined a few words. Well, they actually, she coined the words and I'm just trying to take credit for it. I can barely say singleology. Sing, I practiced that. Singleology. Anyway, the artist singleology, um, go ahead and check her out, her Instagram, and I'll have her link tree in the show notes, as I said. I just really hope that you got something of value out of this. She's all about giving value. All right. That's all I have for you today. My name is Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his. And you have been listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. If this wasn't enough for you, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm on YouTube and I'm also on Clubhouse. That's a brand new audio app. It's kind of like an interactive podcast. So if you're familiar with it, you can find Patterns of Possibility. I host a room on Mondays at noon. We talk about childhood memories and I also host a room on Tuesdays about relationships. It's called relationships. Bring your baggage and unpack here. The hope is, is that we start talking about things that are shameful, that seem to be secrets, and we're going to find out that we're not so different from each other after all.
It's soothing to talk about things that you might think that you need to keep hidden. So I hope that you'll join me. Also, don't forget to sign up for, oh yeah, I knew that, the live interactive virtual game. It's going to be a blast. Until then, take care.